Let us take a moment to pray before we think about God's Word. Come, Holy Spirit, draw near in this time, wherever we may be. Come in power. Come take the Word of God and change our hearts and minds. Come, Holy Spirit, and make Jesus real to us. Help us to hear his voice today, for we ask this in his name. Amen. I really appreciated how Gordon and Ian helped us start this new series in Philippians, this very special letter within the New Testament, for they helped us see its relevance for our lives today. We've seen how crucial it is to know We've seen how crucial it is to know that we, you, are a good work to remember what God has done and is doing something within us and among us such that we are to pray for one another and live with our perspective shaped by Jesus and the gospel even in hard times. Before the Christmas break, I was contacted by the communications department for the Church of Scotland because they're doing a series of articles this year about people coming into ministry. And they got me thinking about past experiences, my faith journey, through the questions they asked me, moments that defined, shaped my life. Uh, To help us get into today's passage, I've got a question for you to think about just now at home. What have been the defining moments in your life? Has there maybe been a defining moment? I'll give you 30 seconds to think about that at home just now. I wonder what you came up with. Feel free to share it in the live chat just now. The man who authored this letter was the Apostle Paul. And yet before he became a Christian, he persecuted the early church, dragging those early disciples of Jesus off to prison and watching as they were killed. But then we know from his story recorded in the book of Acts that he had a powerful conversion. An event that radically redefined his life such that he put his trust in Jesus and then gave his life away for the sake of Jesus, the sake of the gospel and the well-being of the church. His coming to faith, his, his coming into relationship with Jesus defined Paul's life. Because in that process of, of coming to trust Jesus, Paul met with the love and grace of God. And as such, he sought to live his life in light of that. Now, not all of us have had a Paul-like experience, but what he received is what every person who calls themselves a Christian has received as well. The grace, the love, the welcome and invitation of Jesus. 
Your sin has been forgiven. You no longer stand condemned. You will no longer pay the penalty of your sin. You are free, bought at a price. You stand in right relationship with God and he adores you. You are his forever and he will never forsake you nor leave you. He is with you, in you. And he has called you to be part of his purposes in this world. All this and so much more is the inheritance of every person who claims to be a Christian, a follower of Jesus. As such, what Paul says in verse 27 applies to one and all of us. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. This verse epitomizes Paul's life. And it's there in this letter and in pretty much every other letter he writes, this claim that, that if you have a faith in Jesus, then you are to live in a manner worthy of the love and grace you've received from God. In our portion today, Paul goes on to spell out what this might look like. And I want to give us two points to take away from this passage and put into practice. Firstly, being worthy of the gospel through unity. Being worthy of the gospel through unity. Paul says, Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Paul's not calling into question their status as followers of Jesus here. The ifs that were in that passage are more like a sense since you have been united with Christ, since you have known his love, since you share in his spirit, then be worthy of the gospel. And for any group of Christians, being worthy of the gospel includes a concrete expression of unity. Because unity is much more than acquiescence. It's much more than consent or approval. It's more than turning up to church or having the status of a member. Unity involves the heart, such that there is an overflow of love. Paul's claim, in fact, is the love of God overflows nonetheless through us to others. And so it must involve action. It must involve the weaving together of our lives. This unity also involves the mind. Not that we would have uniformity necessarily in all things, but there must still be a shared understanding, a shared understanding of the gospel, such that we are collectively united and motivated with a shared deep conviction to be worthy of the gospel. And then through that shared life, point to Jesus in both heart and mind, in word and in deed. Paul longs for these dear followers of Jesus to be worthy of the grace and love they have experienced. And he goes on to share 
what that can look like in practice. One example, because each of his letters is, is slightly nuanced in this, depending on their circumstances. But here for the Philippians, he spells it out this way. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. When we know the love and grace of God, then our motives are meant to change, and so our lives are meant to change as well. We're to look beyond ourselves. We have to look beyond self. And so when Paul speaks of vain conceit, literally in the Greek, it means empty glory, a chasing after ambitions that are unworthy of anyone who has tasted God's love and grace for themselves. I'm really encouraged that our recently adopted values pick up on this and remind us of this and prompt us to live it out. Two of our values are to be a family, a family who journey together and a family who seek to share our lives and share the good news of God's love in word and deed. Last Tuesday evening, we had a video on our YouTube channel capturing some of our congregation's hopes for 2021. And there's ideas in there picking up on, on what it could look like to live out these values. I'd encourage you to go have a listen if you've not done so already. Yet even just now, in this time, let us each ask ourselves, do we look beyond our own interests to those within our church family? Who was the last person you spoke to or messaged or got in contact with for their sake rather than yours? Could it be said that the love of God is seen in and through your life? Do we seek to serve others? Are you serving in some way within and through this congregation? There's a job, a role for everyone to do. Are you? As one person said on Tuesday evening, it's easy to sit back. It's easy to, to kind of keep to ourselves, particularly in these days with coronavirus, to, to kind of hide away, to retreat a little. But as Paul is saying here, we need to look out for the other, be intentional about that even, and in this way demonstrate a love that is greater than our own finite ability. And if we do that, we'll move towards a way of life that is increasingly worthy of the gospel, worthy of what we have received from God. Now, I suspect by now you're beginning to wonder what I was wondering, whether this is a bit of a tall order, an impossible calling, surely. And well, of course it is. It is beyond our own human ability. The human soul is so broken, fractured, sinful, to use biblical language, that more often than not, we look out for self than for others. We're more prone to factions and divisions than unity. We clamor for status, wealth, power, even comfort. The empty glory of these things more than the way of self-sacrifice and humility. How can Paul call us to such a way of life? Well, he also says 
We're to be worthy of the gospel through trust. Worthy of the gospel through trust. He began by saying, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ not only to believe that is trust in him, but also to suffer for him, since you're going through the same struggle you saw I had and now hear that I still have. Now let's be clear, Paul is not talking about all suffering in these verses. The suffering in mind here is that of persecution, of suffering because of our faith. So let's not jump to too many conclusions. Yet let us also admit there are many ways that our believing, or in the literal Greek, our trusting, may bring suffering into our lives. Believing here is not intellectual assent to some doctrines. To believe is to entrust ourselves to the person of Jesus, to commit ourselves to follow him. Paul is saying that to be worthy of the gospel also includes trust. Trusting in the face of persecution, but also trusting in the hard times, trusting through sacrificial choices. Now, in our society, the degree of persecution we face is minimal. Yet many in our world today literally face death for their faith. Just last week, I was hearing that 10 Christians every day are dying in Nigeria because of persecution against them. And whilst we don't face persecution to that degree, there is for us opposition in different forms. There, there are voices, forces, events that seek to undermine our trusting in Jesus, that can rob us of our peace and our joy. So as one commentator said, where is it important for you and your church to hold your nerve and remain unafraid in the face of opposition? It's seen when we trust that God's word is true and so that believe that Jesus is alive, that he is Lord and God alone, that he is the way of salvation and in him is the source of all life and life in all its fullness. This trusting is seen when we choose to obey God's word rather than go our own way. This trusting is put to the test in many ways. Yes, by persecution, but also in the hardships of life or when God's standards call us to live differently to the world's ways. Your answer to this question might be quite specific to your circumstances. Yet, nevertheless, in our day, in our society, Trusting is maybe also amidst fear in different forms. One of those fears could be the fear of others, of what others might think of us, or how they might respond if we try to share our faith, or admit our faith, or prioritize our faith. Another kind of fear we often face in our society might be the, the fear that Jesus is asking too much that we're afraid to give over control of our lives to him and allow him to reign over our choices 
and our priorities. We all face some fear of some form, a fear that can undermine this trusting. These are just but two ways. But we are called to be worthy of the gospel. We are called to trust. To trust that first time we come to faith and then to keep on trusting, to keep on following Jesus, yielding to his call upon our lives, individually and collectively. And when we do that, when we yield and trust, when we orientate our lives around Jesus, then he promises to give us his spirit, to live in us individually, to live among us as a community. And in this way, he shapes and enables us to live in unity, to grow in his likeness, and to be even more worthy of all he's given. It's all dependent on him dependent upon his power and strength, and it comes by trusting in him. That trust begins at the beginning of our faith journey, but it's there in every part thereafter, day by day. Every day is a new opportunity, a new invitation to keep trusting him. It's here every Sunday Every message, every time you read your Bible, that's another opportunity to trust by responding to what God is saying in his word. So in light of that, I want to give you an opportunity to respond today. I want to invite you to respond in trust to Jesus at home right now. In a moment, I'm going to pray and there will be a couple of different prayers. First, I want to give an opportunity for anyone who's maybe not chosen to follow Jesus yet to make that choice for the first time and begin that by asking him for forgiveness and yielding to his way in your life. Maybe you realize that you can't do this life on your own and that you mess up like the rest of us, like me. And so you need a saviour and you need God to help you and you want to invite him into your life. Secondly, I'll give some space for each of us to respond to this message, to the call upon our lives to live worthy of the gospel in unity and at personal cost for the sake of Jesus. And lastly, there will be space to pray a prayer of trust in the midst of trials, of suffering maybe, and hard times. So let us pray. So for those that, that want to invite Jesus into their lives today, this morning, I invite you maybe even just to, to put out your hands in invitation to Jesus. You don't have to, but, but I find it helpful to embody my prayers. And then repeat with me, these words of a prayer. Speak them out yourselves at home right now, if you can. Lord Jesus Christ, I am sorry for the things I've done wrong in my life. I take a few moments now to, to name this before you, to confess my sin, what I've done wrong. Please forgive me, Lord. 
I choose now to turn from everything that I know is wrong. Thank you that you died on the cross for me so that I could be forgiven and set free. Thank you that you offer me forgiveness and you promise to help change my life, to put it on a different path by the gift of your Spirit living in me. And so I now receive that gift. Please come into my life by your Holy Spirit to be with me forever. Thank you, Lord Jesus. To those of us who claim the title Christian, who claim to follow Jesus, what what has been the, the prompt this morning from the Lord? What has been the challenge? Is he calling you to to give your life away for him in a new way or to renew that? Is he maybe bringing someone to mind that you have to, to show the love of God to? Come, Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts. I'm not going to give you words to pray this time. Just, just speak to the Lord in quiet or out loud. Speak to him about what is upon your heart, what you've been challenged by, how you're going to respond, how you want to live worthy of the gospel. Admit your your incapacity to do this yourself and invite the Holy Spirit to come and fill you in this time. Come, Holy Spirit. Fill us to overflow. Fill us with the love of God. Fill us with power. Fill us with power to walk in your ways, to choose your ways over ours. Come, Holy Spirit. And for those of us in the midst of trials, of really hard times, let me pray for you. Lord, I I pray for these precious ones. I pray, Lord, that they would know you close. I pray that they would know that you'll never leave them nor forsake them. I pray that they know that you know the depth of their pain and their anguish, that you know what it's like to suffer. And yes, there'll there'll be the questions and there will be deep anger sometimes, Lord, and you're ready to receive them. And there might not be answers this side of heaven, but Lord, may they know that you weep with them. May they know that you care and may you help them, Lord, to keep trusting Keep trusting you this day and the next day and the next day. Be their light in their darkness. Be their light for the path ahead, Lord. And help us to to wrap the love of God around them in real tangible ways. Even amidst limitations, Lord. May we overflow with love for these dear precious ones, Lord. May we be like Paul, who who from a distance sought to encourage and strengthen. May we see the ways that we can do that, Lord, for them. That they would know that they're not alone in this journey. That you're with them. We are with them. Oh, Lord, help them trust you. Help them to keep trusting you. Lord, 
hear all our prayers this morning. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you made a choice to follow Jesus today for the first time, I encourage you to get in touch with someone from our church. Get in touch with me. Message our Facebook page. Leave a comment in the live chat. Drop us an email. Some way, shape or form, get in touch with us so that we can journey with you, helping you to keep trusting Jesus and know what that looks like and means for your life. And brothers and sisters, if you're in a hard time and and we don't know that, if you've not shared that yet, if you need some extra support, then please as well, get in touch. We want to journey with you and be family. So open up, please, and let us do that with you.